Welcome to Paradigms at Paradigms.life. Hi, I'm Baruch, welcoming you back to another episode of Paradigms. Happy to be here with you, bringing you inspired, inspiring people with visions of a viable future for life on Earth that includes humans. My guests on this episode of Paradigms have been doing some really wonderful work for quite some time. I've been following their adventures, their exploits, as they create powerful street theater that examines how we live in these times. Many of you have probably heard of Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir. We'll be talking with Reverend Billy and his partner, Savitri D., about the Church of Stop Shopping, the Stop Shopping Choir, the message, the meaning. I think you'll find both of them to be interesting and highly motivated, loving people. So we're going to meet Reverend Billy and Savitri D. and listen to some great music. I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself. And now we're going to meet my first guest on this episode of Paradigms. Reverend Billy Talens, welcome to Paradigms. Oh, glad to be here, Baruch. Thank you. Now, we've had other members of the clergy on the show before, and you, <laughs> you hold a special place in my heart because I've been following what you're up to for quite some time. I'm sure lots of our listeners don't know who you are or what you do, so maybe you could give us a little background, and then we're going to get into the more juicy stuff about what you're doing now. Well, back around the time of 9-11, Baruch, I came in out of the cold. I, I had been a, a sidewalk preacher shouting in front of the Disney store, Mickey Mouse is the Antichrist, children. Stay away from this den of iniquity, you know, and scaring tourists. I'll bet. Trying to dissuade people from giving their money to the sweatshop company called Disney. I was starting to come indoors from what was essentially political performance art project, right? I was imitating Jimmy Swagger, but I had lefty kind of content, mm -hmm. kind of a simple notion. When I came in off the sidewalk of Times Square, I came into community gardens in New York City, and I came into, people started asking me to uh, bless weddings, and I started realizing that there was this need for a new kind of preacher that is not tied to a patriarch or to a an authoritarian institution, but that can in, a person who can encourage fellowship without the God of judgment. And so I started building this church that had a new kind of attitude. And then I fell in love with this lady who's been with me in this project ever since. And we kind of co-founded the modern Church of Stop Shopping together. Her name is Savitri, and Savitri will, I think, join us a little later. Oh, good. We started working on it together, and then 9-11 happened. And by the time September of 2001 took place, we had a choir, and we were like creating church services in which there was no God, but in which the faith was in the magic of justice, love, the natural world. We were, we were finding spiritual sources elsewhere and uh, not looking up at the, you know, the old man and the throwing lightning bolts from the clouds. When 9-11 happened, lots of people started coming to our performances. And we realized that 
lots of us in modern society are going around kind of patching together a spiritual life, looking for a way to regard the amazing thing that life is without turning over our rights as individuals to a big institution or a judgmental God. And so that basic thing has kept us in this project low these 18 years. It's really quite a remarkable thing that you do because on the one hand, there's a a fairly obvious tongue-in-cheek quality, but you're also dead serious. And I think that those two things inhabit the same space in you and in what you're doing in the world is fascinating and also beautiful because you're really calling upon people's deeper sense of humanity to be their guide and not the sort of facile, surfacy glitz. Well, the satirical thing is, is a greeting, you know. Everybody in the room is shouting, change alleluia, you know, earth alleluia, you know. And, and some of these people have spent much of their life avoiding language that ends in alleluia. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, who can blame them? But then we, we just use that as a frame, as a doorway. And then very quickly, of course, where are we right now? We're, we're in a state of permanent war. Uh, the, the racism and sexism is, is, is rampant. We have a gangster for a president. California's on fire. I mean, so we are, our faith has hard work to do. You know, so you don't want to stay in a satirical mode too long. You don't want to be too ironical for too long because of the real, the real world th- that we share. And finding that balance is uh, an interesting creative act. We try to bring humor and music to the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we want to keep a little bit light there. I mean, it's there's certainly grounds for depression. There's grounds for um, giving up. But you know, we can make our own ecosystems. We can we can delve into each other's bodies. We can we can find in public space uh, wonderful things to do with other people. There's lots to recommend this experience. But justice is the thing. Justice, the heartbeat of justice is what keeps us going. That's our faith. You know, we sing together and we risk arrest together. We've had nine arrests this year. So we're kind of on an accelerated arrest level. That's Reverend Billy of the Church of Stop Shopping. Now we know a bit about how they got started. We're going to listen to some music and then we'll be back with the next part of my conversation with Reverend Billy. Here's a song that pretty much says it all. The Obscenity Prayer by Rodney Crowell on Paradigms at paradigms.life. Give to me my time and money. Give to me my milk and honey. Give to me my self-respect. Golden chains around my neck. Give to me my supermodel. Corporate jet and champagne bottle Get me out there on the town Let me spread my wealth around I could learn to love this life I lead But just don't take away the things I need I feel rosy and a pink So just don't make me stop and think All those dark thoughts in my head Seem like better left unsaid Charm and 
my body young and fit. Give to me my hot couture. Give the world a cancer cure. Serve my breakfast all fresco. Let the wine and liquor flow. I can search for truth some other time. But right now I just wanna get what's mine. Let the gangsters rule the streets while teachers try to make ends meet. Rodney Crowell from an album called The Outsider with the obscenity prayer, Give It To Me. That song really exemplifies a whole lot of consumerist culture and how money can affect people. Now let's get back to the next part of my conversation with Reverend Billy of the Church of Stop Shopping. Let's go back to 9-11 for a second. Uh Our then erstwhile president's response was to tell everyone to go shopping. Yes. And you, in response, have created the Stop Shopping Choir. Can you talk about why should we stop shopping? The consumerism of the average resident of the United States is, uh, you know, a world of its own. We consume 20 times the energy of the people in, for instance, Western Europe, who are also consuming a lot of energy. But we're out there by ourselves. Our financing of consumption around the world, our, our introduction of this way of life to so many others, are putting hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars into persuading other people and other cultures that this is how you want to live. We consider that the key fundamentalist church of our time. It has as much power over people 
as the Holy Roman, Roman Empire in the 1300s. It's just, this has got us doing mindless things all day long. Sitting in traffic, standing in lines, wearing certain clothes, listening to certain music, eating certain food. It's consumerism in the United States is the thing that stops everything that we would want to do to improve our lives. It's the behemoth. It's the devil. So stop shopping. Now, if people think, what does that mean? That's impossible. You can stop shopping for 10 seconds and it could be an important event in your life. <laughs> stop shopping. It doesn't say end your shopping. It says stop your shopping. And it's a good, it's a good headline for us because it, it's like a scandal sheet. It's like stop shopping. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's a demand that is kind of semi-humorous, you know, you, it, and it th- throws people into a state of confusion exactly how they should be confused, which is what is my interaction with the material of the outside world? We've got to ask that question. So if Stop Shopping does that, then we've accomplished something. You're really asking people to pay attention to what they're doing, the effects of what they're doing, and what their motives are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And here in, the, in this time of the sixth extinction, here in this time of, of climate chaos, we're slipping into a level of destruction, you know, with Florence and Michael and the California fires and and the tsunami in, in Indonesia, the, the incidence of major weather events is really picked up. And we're in a new, doesn't it feel different to you, Baruch? I mean, this oh, year yeah. is, has been quite, quite a, a bridge to a, an awful future. There's a surreal quality to daily life that feels like it's mm-hmm. ever increasing. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear you agree because I sometimes think, is it just me? Am I a little <laughs> crazier than I thought? But I don't think so. I yes, think... yes, you are, Brooke. You are. You are. <laughs> and that's the reason for this interview. I'm here to. Is this my intervention finally? I'm... Yes, yes. <laughs> I've been waiting. Your friends hired me. They said, Reverend, the only way we're going to get in his face on this is to do it in public. <laughs> At the microphone. No, we're... it is different for all of us. And a lot of us are backing into the well-funded normalcy that we have around us on screens and in ordered relationships where finances give us a a kind of choreography, the economy gives us our map of the day. Uh, Some of us are just counting on normalcy because if you start looking up and out at the sky and the ocean and the rivers and the the soil and um, the 70 million people trying to get somewhere to a dream on the other side of a military border, you know, it is crazy making. It is crazy making. We have to adjust in a big way. We have to adjust what we're allowing into our psyches. We have to be realistic about it. The earth is running things right now. We, we have virtually no national leadership. In the era of strongmen, we're all drifting. You know, strongmen are not the answer. And the earth is our leader, is our government, is our culture, is our economy. The earth is running things. That's what the earth cultures always said would happen. This is a prophecy of virtually all of the earth cultures around the world. They said this would happen. I was confronted by a lady at at Occupy Wall Street in 2011, and she told me about the Lakota prophecy, that the earth would rise up and we would have a chance to join the earth in the uprising Mm -hmm. or be, you know, disappeared. Um, So I think we're there now. We have to find conscious ways to join the earth. Earthaluyah? Earthaluyah. I'm preaching now, Brooke. Watch out. Oh, my God. Give me a pulpit, please. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, for years, I've said to people that all credit is borrowed from the earth. 
And it's not just an abstraction. It's the actual truth. That's excellent. Can I use that? Absolutely. I'll pay you. Pay me in dirt. In credit? I pay, <laughs> pay earth me in credit? Earth credit. <laughs> because there is no borrowing. There is only what exists. You can't. Exactly. There is actually, the idea of deficit spending is an absurdity. Yes, the uh, the many absurdities yeah. that are bequeathed to us by this uh, these buildings I've got in my window here, Wall Street. <laughs> What's happening on the earth has been prophesied in many, many traditions over a long period of time. There is a way in which humanity seems to dream and choose its own direction. And we know what we're doing, even sometimes when we act like we don't. Here's an old song from Dr. Hook. Right, that's right, I'm sad and blue Because I can't do the boogaloo I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing And that's why I sing Give me, give me that thing Give me that, give me that, give me, give me, give me that Give me that, give me that, give me, Give Me That Thing by Dr. Hook. Now let's get back to the next part of my conversation with Reverend Billy and hear a bit more about what the Stop Shopping Choir actually does. I, I love that you really take your preaching to uh, a little bit of uh, an absurd extreme of your own to make your point. And yet what you're really doing, and I, I heard you before that you use the satire to bring people in. You're talking about the core issues that humanity is facing right now. Yes, and we have to we have to uh, find spiritual power in joining the earth, and that's gonna that's like that's practice. That's practice. That's being together, singing together, praying together in a, in our in our earthy secular way. It's about being fearless in our connection to our fellow human beings in a way that is is not accepted by the economic culture that we're, we're supposed to be a part of. 
which really wants us to meet each other under the supervision of corporations like Facebook. You know, we're supposed to buy products to be with each other. We go into public space with the Church of Stop Shopping Gospel Choir, and we like celebrate that this is public space. And then the police come up to us and we don't have a permit. And so we sing, Congress shall make no law, respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise that, and we, you know, they've got a 30 voice choir singing the First Amendment to them. <laughs> they start smiling. They start smiling. You're, you're appealing to the spirit that is behind that badge, you know, that is inside, inside that body behind that uniform. You're making them feel the erotic freedom of this thing that was founded here, this, this amazing thing that was invented here, public space where you're protected, where you can freely express yourself. And what you just said is really important about the fact that there's a person behind that badge. It's really easy, and I am guilty of this myself, it's really easy to forget and to just see what they represent. But there is a person in there. Oh, yeah. We've got to be aware of the people who are really caught in the ritual of obstruction. I feel like I, I want to reach out right now and, and snatch some words from Dr. King. The folks that just, you know, they're trying to make a living, they're trying to raise their families, and they take a job, and they feel that they can, they can keep faithful to some idea of themselves, despite the kind of overwhelming identity of the job, you know, uh, like being a, a soldier or a policeman. They need to be able to connect with their worries about the earth and their worries about these rampaging business people who are just taking everything and who really don't mind poisoning us. The way the executives of Bayer and Monsanto talk about glyphosates and neonicotinoids and these toxins, which have been proven over and over again to be cancer-causing, we've got some really warped, psychotic people in very powerful positions right now. We let it happen. We let them get there, you know. Uh, but now they get to, you know, they get to have that power taken from them. We have to lay our bodies down in front of those pipelines. Yeah. We have to do things now. Of course, we would lay our bodies down and we would keep singing while we did it. <laughs> we think that singing always helps. <laughs> you know, we get arrested a lot, but even when we do get arrested, there's less anger in the air and we get to keep talking to people. They listen to us in a way that I don't, I don't think they would if we, if we were just hard edged, you know, if we were the, you know, so many of us, we get angry with the right wing people and we, we, we get hard edged and then we lock them into their position, lock ourselves in ours, mm. and we really do need to reach out. We have permitted a trillion-dollar economy to go to law enforcement for so many years. The world has never seen anything like the amount of money that we put into law enforcement of various kinds. We've let that happen year in and year out. These corrupt Congress people that have army bases in their, in their districts, all that, it's just been going on and on and on and on. The revolving door, they get out of the army and then they get a job as a lobbyist. It's just been going on and on. And now they really have to be able to stop the fossil fuel people because they're, you know, I went to Standing Rock. The choir went to Standing Rock. They've got the military working for the fossil fuel. You know, in their memoranda that we, we unearthed in the court proceedings, they called the people who have lived there for thousands of years jihadists. They call them jihadists. They are terrorists, you know, and they're just sitting there on their land trying to save the water for their children. You know, that's that's, you know, so we've got to step in there somehow, change their culture. And it does seem like it's impossible. It does seem like it's too late. It, it's easy to get depressed and, and just become immobilized. But Earthalooya, get back to that joy. Amen. <laughs> Let's go in and do it again. 
Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir from their Earthalluya collection. This is The Turning World. This is Paradigms at Paradigms.life. The Turning World, Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir from their Earthalluya album, which you can find on SoundCloud. Clearly, there's a whole lot of tongue-in-cheek in the lyrics in the songs, but the message is also clear. Here's the next part of my conversation with Reverend Billy, and we're going to meet Savitri D. Well, I have a sort of theological, philosophical question for you. This was, This is a straight question because of what you're talking about. And this is a question that I, I mean, I have practiced as a a mental health practitioner for decades. I have done all kinds of things. I've put myself in positions to learn about and try and understand Mm -hmm. humanity, which still is a complete mystery to me in so many ways. So here's the question. What is it? What what is it (laughs) in humanity where we keep choosing the very thing that we know is worst for us. People do it as individuals. We do it as societies. And we're kind of doing it as a planet. And I heard what you said about the fact that psychopaths are in charge. And you're right. Most of the people who are attracted to that kind of power tend to be psychopaths. Most of the rest right. of us don't want that kind of power. So that's part of the answer. But what is it in human nature where we keep choosing exactly the thing that is the most poisonous? What do you think about that? You know, it sounds to me like canceled karma. You think I'm going to I'm going to do this for a while. I'm going to commit this robbery today. Uh, It's going to be okay. I'm going to spray that forest today. And I've heard what they say is in the thing I'm spraying. But I'm going to do this today. I still have some left here in my in my container. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing for today. And people people believe that karmically. Today is free hmm. of karma. John Lennon and Yoko Ono had their, had their uh, 
their song Instant Karma. They said mm-hmm. it, it's it's all happening now. <laughs> that puts you in a completely different moral place. It's all happening now. All the consequences are right here in this moment. The division, the separation of my action from what might happen as a result of my action, that separation comes into us with with uh, Christianity, comes into us with capitalism. It's very much a part of the Industrial Revolution. We've had long, we've had centuries of preparation uh, for the nonsense of that kind of activity. What I'm doing right now doesn't matter. You know, climate change is telling us otherwise. <laughs> well, and I wonder how many people walk through the day literally saying to themselves, I can't do anything about any of this. What I do doesn't matter. I, I have certainly heard those words in my own head, and I bet people listening have heard those words in their own head. And what you're telling me is that's a lie. Well, we just have to, when, when some critical mass of our neighbors start something, and it's, it's Black Lives Matter, it's Standing Rock, it's Occupy Wall Street, it's the Women's March, it's the Me Too movement, it's, it's the Parkland uprising against the guns, by the young people. It, when that happens, you really have to pay attention to it. Study it, get it into your body, because in each and every case, they're surrounded by the military and they're, they're asphyxiated. They're, they're, they, they don't have any oxygen after a while and, and they, they, they're left freezing in their tents or whatever, whatever happens. That will happen on a larger scale because the earth is demanding that that take place. The earth is communicating to us right now. The people in California are making new communities. You know, paradise is gone. Paradise, California is gone. Yep. It's like a bomb hit this 30,000 person town. It's gone. There isn't a paradise. There isn't another place. There isn't a second place to get to. It's here right now. I'm responsible for responding to exactly what's happening at this moment. So we, we can do this. You remind me a lot of a friend of mine named Starhawk. You might know her. Oh, yes, of course. And I was just at this spiral dance in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago for Halloween in which a thousand people came together and did a really beautiful ritual. And the focus, the intention of the ritual was to combine our tears of outrage and joy to brew an elixir of radical justice. And a thousand people danced to that intention for hours. It was really, it was beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Amen is right. What a beautiful thing. Hey, can I bring in uh, Savitri here? Please. Hi. Nice to meet you. Likewise. What's this adventure been like for you? You know, I'm a commune child. I'm from the the wilds of northern New Mexico. And I I, I was brought up uh, by people who believed that the best life was a life of service. And um, I did my best to just go up and be an artist (laughs) instead. But there was a moment where I realized it was really true what they said, that the great satisfaction in life comes with service. And I realized that I had to work for the earth. You know, I grew up in these wild places and I grew up with a hundred miles view of the Taos Mesa. And I, you know, I grew up in amazing places and I realized that they were threatened and I've known that my whole life. And so when I started working with Billy in this sort of broad concept of anti-consumerism, uh, for me, it was always about the earth. It was always an environmental question, um, ecological question. It was always about my relationship to the earth and the relationship of humans to the earth, because I've always felt there was this incredible human chauvinism. And I just, it just drives me crazy. 
this idea that we are the center of all life and that all life must be driven to protect and encourage human culture and human productivity. And um, I just reject that flat out. So anything I can do to address that crisis, really, or that problem, I do. And at the moment, strangely, I, I find myself involved in a profound problem of, of migration and human migration. And I'm, I'm surprised to find myself working so deeply on, um, you know, human justice, because I've spent so much of my life working on earth justice. And obviously, they're not distinct or discreet from one another. <laughs> but, you know, since Trump was elected, the war on immigrants is just so full on and so racist and so terrible that one cannot look away and no matter what. So I find myself, you asked about my journey, it's, um, I find myself right now just in this kind of what feels like a war around immigration. And it's very strange because I'm, you know, like I'm a white woman living in Brooklyn and I have a very perfect life. You know, I mean, a precarious life, but a perfect life. My kid's in a great public school. I go to the Park Slope Food Co-op and I have amazing food and, you know, I'm safe. And right around me, there are people who are being taken from their homes, you know, in the middle of the night. And family separation isn't just on the border. It's right here in New York. So the dissonance of that reality is profound and, and terrible. And I think a lot of us are, you know, realizing how close the fascist reality is right now. <laughs> we are in a very intense moment, certainly in American history. We'll be back with more of Savitri D talking about the Stop Shopping Choir, the Church of Stop Shopping. Here, however, is a song by John Lennon. You'll recognize this right away.
instant karma, John Lennon. I think what Billy was saying about how we keep doing the same destructive things because we just think that it's okay today. But it isn't okay today. The results are here today. We all have quite a bit to think about in terms of how we are in the world, how our actual individual actions have consequences. Here's the next part of my conversation with Savitri D. Let us segue into your new performance piece. Mm-hmm. What are Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir up to today, nowadays? What's the new, what's the new thing? Well, you know, we're an international group in New York City. We're a radical performance community based in New York City. So we are from all over the world. And, um, you know, over the years, every continent and many, many countries have been represented in the Stop Shopping Choir. So right now we're really confronting this the, the issue of, of migration and, and immigration and the crisis that that is for people. And, and it's the soul of New York. You know, we're really fighting for the soul of our city New York is 40% foreign born, you know, and so our new show is really about borders. It's about crossing borders. It's about our personal borders. It's about the work we've done over the last year, a lot of activism, a lot of arrests, a lot of creative work around immigration and our new show. I feel like we're, we're trying to really get into the darkness of the mood, I guess, the, the reality, the mood, I don't know what to call it, you know, the atmosphere right now. And we're really trying to feel our way out of it, you know, as everyone is right. Not be depressed, not be, you know, apathetic, not just like, Oh, pull the covers over your head though. Some days that's a good idea, (laughs) but really like, how do we get out of it? Well, we turn and look into each other's eyes. You know, we turn and we sing together. We turn, we move together. We, we act together. Um, I think the answers are in community. I think the answers are in the strength of diversity in community. Um, I know this is a strange time because there's so much, uh, evolving in the, in the realm of identity, right? There's so much evolving and people are really women, for instance, like, we are really hurt right now. There's a lot of pain. Like just so much has gone wrong in the last couple of years and we've lost, it feels like we've lost a lot of ground or that we are gaining it back. And so we, we find ourselves like segregating ourselves, right? We like aren't talking to the men as much or, you know, so fighting those urges to like isolate ourselves and to come back out and be together and, and fight from our strength and not our weakness. I think that's what this show is about really. That's really big. That's a really huge, yeah. important concept. That I, I mean, I, I tend to be a bit of a hermit myself, so to go out and participate with people in community events for a lot of folks, it's not what they're used to doing anymore. And and one of the things Billy talked about earlier, and other people have certainly spoken about, is the isolating quality of modern life in mm-hmm. these quote unquote developed nations. And yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look around, there's three different screens in front of me. Mm-hmm. One's a phone, one's a little thing, and one's a computer. Yep. And, yep. and I know people with more, and yep. it, it, it keeps us apart. And that is what you're saying is really important. We need each other. We actually need each other. Yeah, our major evolutionary kind of uh, trick is cooperation, right? That's why humans succeed the way they do. It's not because we're taller, stronger, meaner whatever. It's because we know how to cooperate. And that is the source of our success. And of course, will be the source of our continued success because, uh, you know, we're up against the wall right now, for sure. And that cooperation extends beyond humans to all biological life. 
This yeah. planet is like the most amazing. It's all relationships. It's all about mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so easy to forget that. I mean, it seems like such a basic thing to say, right? But, you know, if you even just look at like, you know, the way humans were able to domesticate animals, for instance. Now, I mean, that was also in the interest of the animal, but, and we manipulated it to its sort of most neurotic and pathological degree and have factory farming now, right? But we are capable of symbiotic relationships that we choose. You know, there's the ones that are just happening all the time, like the biota in our gut or, you know, on our skin or any of those things. But there's also the ones we choose and we can choose to do it differently. We can choose to honor other apex predators. We can choose to honor, you know, the habitat of killer whales in the Puget Sound. We can we can make these choices and eventually it will come back in a positive way to us. We might not be able to see it in our lifetime, but... Which is totally glorious. I mean, if anyone has ever planted a fruit tree, you know that, you know, that tree will be a big tree after you're gone and it will be feeding people after you're gone. And that's the beauty of it. It's not what can I get. It's what can I leave behind. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. Pretty recently, they discovered that when a whale dies in the ocean, its body sinks to the floor of the ocean and a whole ecosystem grows around that whale's body that lasts for many, many decades and spawns all kinds of unknowable, you know, unforeseeable life, just the whale fall. And you think that that's happening all the time. I mean, that's a really clear image of a whale's gigantic carcass falling to the bottom of the gigantic ocean and then life coming into the dark, cold waters of the bottom of the sea. I mean, for me, this is how we can think of our actions and this is how we can think of the seeds we plant for the future. Mm, That's beautiful. I didn't know that. Thank you. I know it really is. It's it's they just didn't they just discovered it recently. For folks in the New York area, you can go and see this wonderful new show by Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir live at Joe's Pub at the Public, which is on Lafayette Street, the next three Sundays at two PM. So definitely check them out. You can get information about that at revbilly.com. Here's a song by Joni Mitchell. Although I speak in tongues of men and angels, I'm just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals without love. Love suffers long, love is kind. Enduring all things, hoping all things Love has no evil in mind If I had the gift of prophecy And all knowledge and the faith to move the mountains Even if I understood If I didn't have love, I'd be nothing. Touchy. 
Because it rejoices in the truth Not in iniquity Love sees Like a child sees As a child I spoke as a child I thought and I understood as a child But when I became a woman I put away childish things And began to see Through a glass darkly Joni Mitchell from a record she made called Wild Things Run Fast, and that is Love, and that is a beautiful poem by Yeats. And now here's the final part of my conversation with Savitri D. and Reverend Billy. You know, we did a, a series on soil this summer, and one of the things that was said was, you know, if you take a teaspoon of, of healthy soil, it's got like two billion microorganisms yeah. in it. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to just say those words, but if you actually stop and consider what that means, it's mind-blowing. It really is. It really is. And and uh, yeah, well, it also shows you the limitation of your sensory organs, right? Like, because two billion is a, you know, it's an abstract concept for me. I don't know what two billion is because I can't see two billion, you know, or I can't, oh, I'm just so limited, you know, and to, to know that like I am part of another set of two billions. And then you s- suddenly feel like you're in some 14 year old, you know, existential question about like, but what machine built the machine? Right. How big was the machine that built the other machine? You know, and it gets very, I love it. yeah, I love it. but it's true. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> And, you know, like a moment like this that we're having right now, I, it's easy to forget, but it's also really easy to remember that life itself, and I don't mean my life or your life, I mean the mm-hmm. life, aliveness, is mm-hmm. a thing that no one understands. It cannot be quantified, right. not really. Right. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know how to make it. We know how to create conditions for it. Mm-hmm. But we do not know what it is. And that mystery, um, I love that there's a mystery. Some people are mm-hmm. frightened by mysteries. They feel safer if they know. <laughs> Good luck with that. But 
that is beautiful to me. And I think to bring it back around to what you know you all are doing with the Stop Shopping Choir is you're bringing that moment of beautiful aliveness to people by taking them out of the familiar. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a disruption there. But I, I guess I would say also that I think it's important to acknowledge the difference between surviving and thriving, you know, in, in any conversation about um, how we view the world, you know, that like in the stress of survival, it's really hard to step out of oneself. And it's really hard to view the world with the critical skills, you know, or with uh, even mystical skills, like you were just describing, like the, the, the wonder of it, the amazement, because we're just trying to survive. And I think what capitalism has done to us and what consumerism do to us is they force us into the corner of like survival, right? So I'm always surviving and they can make even not, not having a new phone feel like an act of survival, right? Or that we're, we're pushed into this kind of stress that keeps us from thriving, right? It keeps us in this other place where we cannot see the big picture. We cannot see each other. We can't, we're just surviving, you know, we're just scraping by. And it's not just about a new iPhone. It's also about rent or how, how many jobs I have to work or how tired I am because I work three jobs or commute four hours. Or It's also about undoing and dismantling the system that has us all just in survival mode, which makes life really uncomfortable and also makes it hard for us to change. Where do we go from here? It's not one person is not going to show us the way, you know, those, the, the days of the messianic leader are over. It's all of us now right. and we can do it. You know, there might have to be a few fewer of us, but we can do it. Well, you know, to go back to the spiral dance, which I attended a couple of weeks ago, that ritual culminates in a spiral dance. It's also called the snake dance. Mm-hmm. And you have a circle of a thousand people in a big spiral, and then the dance comes around, and you get to look into the eyes of each person. Mm-hmm. So I got to look into the eyes of a thousand people, all there wow. with the intention of wanting to create and celebrate and bring justice into the world. So it's really... It really is up to each of us to do that mm-hmm. with the person next to you. Who cares mm-hmm. if they believe the same thing you believe? What if you just right. look, look at them and that's another human being like me? Yeah. I mean, it's probably better if you don't believe the same thing because then you have a different sort of skill set and approach, you know, then you, you approach a problem differently, you know, which is good. Well, this is the crux of what humanity is learning right now. <laughs> Let's just hope we can accelerate it a little bit. Yes, yes. It would be nice if we don't kill the biosphere before we On get ourselves together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accelerated learning for all humans. That's what I'm advocating for. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Savitri D., Reverend Billy, thank you both so much for talking with me on Paradigms. It's been a pleasure, and I think the things you said really reach, really reach out to people. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Baruch. Thank Have you, a great Baruch. day. Berthaluya, everybody. Thank you for being in this conversation with us today. Amen. Thank you so much, Reverend Billy, Savitri D., for being on Paradigms. It was really a pleasure talking with both of you. I've been following the Church of Stop Shopping for quite some time, and it was a thrill to have you on the show. Keep up the good work. Keep up the preaching. If you'd like to learn more about Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping, go to revbilly.com, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-Y.com. And you can learn about their upcoming performances. You can download their music. All their music is available free, the albums that they make. And maybe you want to join this Stop Shopping Choir. How about that? 
as we are moving into the holiday season, and consumerism is a really big part of that, especially here in the United States, perhaps some of what Reverend Billy's been teaching can be applied, and we can make the focus be on love of earth, of life, of each other, and not on stuff. All right, bringing this episode of Paradigms to a close, thank you so much for listening. This episode of Paradigms is archived at the Paradigms website, paradigms.life, and in iTunes under podcasts, and in all the other podcast aggregator websites. So you can listen again, share with friends, which I hope you'll do. I'm going to leave you with one more track of music from another one of my favorite artists. This is Laura Nero from Walk the Dog and Light the Light. It's called Art of Love. Be well, be kind. Remember that even when things are hard, your best self, your most loving self, is still there inside you. Focus on that. That can help get through these hard times. All right, Baruch signing off. We'll see you next time on Paradigms.
You've been listening to Paradigms at paradigms.life. <laughs>